there was the access to cash review last year that predicted a cashless society would emerge in the next 10 to 15 years in the UK. Kind of been in the next 10 to 15 months, hasn't it? It would appear so. I think we've seen a, a massive acceleration in the past, well, let's say six to nine months, purely based on contactless requirements to prevent the spread of you know, COVID and uh, people's concerns uh, with PPE, etc. For example, we've used, we've worked with a company in the US called Wawa, who are one of our customers, and they actually accelerated their frictionless points for mobile uh, ordering of food and beverages, etc. And they saw a 70% increase in mobile revenue, um, as well as a 46% in uh, mobile order volume, just from going live with this facility that already existed on the app. It drew massive response straight away. So yeah, that's one example in the US, which is traditionally quite reticent, that's accelerated straight away. If you factor in the contactless payment limit increasing to £45 as well, you can see we're definitely progressing towards that. But it, the end state is somewhere in the distant future, I feel. Well, it has to be somewhere in the distant future because perhaps not in developed societies like the UK and the US, unbanked is less of a problem, but underbanked is still a problem. Access to, to payments for certain parts of the population, if cash was not available, would still be a problem. Absolutely. I and mean, I think we'll find it's, it's the responsibility of the providers of financial services, whether it be you know, a financial service organisation or the banking community as a whole that need to work together. And we could leverage open banking as a potential argument to incorporate and make sure that people don't fall through the cracks of a cashless society. Is one of the problems that the people I've just been talking about, the people you've just been talking about, are not profitable customers for banks, if I can put it that way? I think that's a great question. I wouldn't necessarily say it's that. I'd say there is a challenge to servicing people in traditional ways, I think is a fairer way of putting it. Um, and we need to work to help uh, make that customer base aware of other options, even if it is as simple as switching from drawing out cash to using a contactless card, for example. It doesn't have to be as far reaching as having a smartphone or a digital app, for example. So there is still a job of education to be done then, both from what you're saying with consumers, but also with institutions that there is a way of servicing these people. Yeah, I, I believe so. And you know, we work at Ubiquity to ensure that we put human centricity at the beginning of everything as soon as we engage with our customer base to make sure we understand what their actual goal and outcome is. And obviously you have to put the human touch. If you're going to make things contactless and digital, you have to remember that, you know, as a species, we like engagement. We like to feel there's some sort of engagement. And if it's completely remote, then adoption rates aren't going to increase. You know, you, you're not going to get that uptick. You know, if you use Swish as an example um, in Sweden that was launched in 2012, you know, that was unprecedented. You know, if we fast forward to 2019, two-thirds of the population are using contactless, you know, Swish, immediate payments, that's 45 million transactions a month. Now, granted, that's a, that's a subset, but it demonstrates that if you build things in the correct way that have a, a tangible outcome that people feel included in, then they will use it. Well, you did mention this, and I'm going to come back to it, the human factor. Is it the case that that gets forgotten occasionally by companies who think, I've got this great gizmo, I've got this wonderful idea, I've got this super cool app and for a certain part of the population that works wonderfully and you know i know lots of people in their 20s walking around with pink credit cards from monzo but is there a danger that certain institutions might lose sight of the fact that they are dealing with human beings as customers 
I think if we're honest and we need to be fair, everyone realizes, you know, in order to be successful, you need to have human interaction. That's it, you know, whether it's financial or personal. Some may have that challenge, but I think others, it's more, you have to look at what it is you're trying to achieve and then put that layer over the top of where's the human element to this, even if it is a digital or remote or extrapolated out. Um, and it's incredibly important. And this is why you know, we work with our customers to say, right, I know what you want to achieve, but now let's make sure that's achievable and what that means. And what is the human centric element to that to ensure the, the truth is you want to engage with your customers on every level as an organization that has a, is of a service industry. So you need to make sure you have the, the friction points in there and then understand how to overcome them to make sure you, you fit that criteria. And you know, that's what we are. We work on ourselves to make sure we understand what you as a bank or a financial services customer want and then what your customers need on top of that and then build that whole you know, frictionless service around it. Well, certainly we've had a stress test of some of these services, as you say, in the last six to nine months because this was not on anybody's radar a year ago. It's a great fact, right? The reality is no one saw this coming. And what it's done is for some industries or elements that were unsure about pushing forward with this, you know, because they needed a solid business case behind it. Well, now you have no choice. You know, we have to adopt things to make sure people are safe, but equally that people can live their lives. And that's where, you know, financial services is so inclusive of that. You, know, you need to be able to pay bills. You need to be able to receive, you know, your salaries. You need to be able to pay for things and move through things as quickly as possible. And we know that cash was already on the way and it was, it was on its way. I think that's, that's probably a bit strong. There is a desire to move away from cash. Obviously, we know it's accelerated, but this has pushed it further on. And I think what we're going to see, in my opinion, is we won't suddenly revert back once COVID is solved. We won't revert back to using cash in the way that we did before. I think that, you know, the journey has started and it's now about how do we make sure people don't fall through those cracks. Well, the journey has started because uh, the statistics show that only three out of 10 transactions last year in the UK were carried out using cash. And I also understand from the Royal Mint that they are halting production of two pound and two penny coins for the next decade because they've got so many stashed away. So what do we do to stop people falling through the cracks for those who might otherwise do so? How do we stop that? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Again, what we need to do collectively you know, whether it, whether it be um, ourselves at Mobiquity, who service financial industry, the banking community, et cetera, is work to understand who are the vulnerable sections of society and how we can help them and be realistic in that and have a conversation that's very open and honest to make sure we really understand the challenge. You know, we really understand the frictions and how do we remove that? Uh, it's, it's not an easy thing. I think it's too, often it's too easy to have a glib statement to say, you know, we just have to do it. We really have to dig in to understand what that means and not use tech for tech's sake, but make sure, you know, it's a smart, well thought out plan of creation with a strategy behind it and then execute it flawlessly. Well, there is also a potential problem, I would have thought, as we as a society move online, move cashless, there is also an issue not just of making sure the services are right, but there's an issue of security, there's an issue of education about security. Because we've also seen, with the growth of online transactions that we've seen in, in the last nine months, there has also been a, a growth in scamming attacks on people. Absolutely. Yeah, and again, you, 
with every innovation and acceleration of, of some service, you need to make sure the security is in lockstep with that. You know, and you can use machine learning, AI capabilities, et cetera, to make sure that you prevent fraud. But we have to be realistic in that there has always been people who try and take advantage of others. Um, and, and as security measures increase, they increase their, the way they do it and become more and more sophisticated. So it's on us as a community to learn and make sure we protect, you know, all of our customers, not just some who may be deemed as more vulnerable than others, but everyone deserves that basic right to be protected digitally um, from, from losing out in any capacity, whether that's identity or financial. Is that likely to be achievable though? Are we going to be able to do that? Because the more I hear about that from you and, and from others, I come back to, and I, I did mention this earlier, I come back to the issue of education. Yep. Can we realistically educate people quickly enough? I don't think I necessarily have the exact answer to that, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't work on education. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't work, you know, from a mobility standpoint, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when we engage with whoever, we want to understand what the outcome is so that we can build a strategy around that to make sure it's successful and that that outcome is achievable. I mean, you have to partner with everyone to make sure that everyone gets what they need from this. You know, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself, but it's that human centricity that's key. Because if you just have a cool piece of tech for a cool piece of tech's sake, that's not fixing anyone's problem. So you know, we have to keep ourselves honest. And that's something we really push our customers to, um, is to make sure you know, what's being built, what you're looking to send into market, meets the criteria of what you're looking to achieve ultimately. And it's all about the human factor for you. It has to be. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have human centricity. We're becoming more fragmented in my personal view in some way. You know, I'm sure you're the same. I've lived on Zoom for the last six months. So I see people all day, every day. You know, I <laughs> potentially have a bit of Zoom fatigue maybe. But ultimately, the only real engagement I have is with my family when, when they come back. So you know, we have to work very hard to ensure we can recreate as best as possible a human-centric digital experience where we feel included and we're not just next step, next step, or even you know, that classic computer says no.